Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. It's a new year. <laughs> One of the things that I love about a new year is the fresh focus that comes with it. Fresh focus in reference to good things that we are already doing, but maybe need to be doing a little bit better at. Fresh focus in dreaming new dreams of things that we need to accomplish that we haven't done yet. And early this last year, um, you know, my eyes, they got uh, old enough that I needed to get progressive lenses. And uh, some of you know what those are. Uh, they're terrible. And the eye doctor told me, wait as long as you can before you get them. I'm like, well, I can't see real good. I, I, I kept pushing him to get them. Finally, gave them to him. I'm like, he was right. I should have listened to him. But he told me it would take a couple of weeks after I got them to, to really get used to them. And he wasn't joking. It took all of two weeks just to stop having headaches from them. And even though I'm approaching my year anniversary of having them, I'm still finding myself struggling once in a while with them. I have to look through certain parts of my lenses to see different distances clearly. And it plays out when I'm preaching, and all of a sudden I can't see my notes, and i got to go down. This. There it is. It's a pain when I'm looking at worship music and I'm going on down the page, and I have to tilt my head just right to keep the music focused and still keep my mouth right at the microphone. It's a pain. Forget playing phone games. How many like phone games? How many played a lot of phone games when you were around family so you wouldn't have to talk to them? Some of you are honest. <laughs> That's not very nice, but it's honest. But forget playing phone games. I have to take my glasses off completely just to, just to see the little screen if I'm playing a game. And thank God, because I don't need to be playing those kind of games anyway. Typing sermons was even a struggle until my boy, Pastor Jared, hooked me up with a 32-inch TV monitor as a computer screen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Is it 32 or is it more than that? 32. Oh, yeah. My point is, when things aren't in focus... It's a struggle, no matter what you're trying to do. And, and it's no different when you're trying to see spiritually. When we aren't focused, we struggle. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, you guys know this verse all too well, when there, where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is the ability to see. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Perish is Basically, they dry up and die. Another version of this, that's King James Version. Another version of this, New King James, says this, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And I like that. Revelation means divine truth revealed. Cast off restraint. Throw away that which holds you back. In the context here, it means that which, that which restrains them from perishing or dying on the vine. In the ESV version, I, I like what it says too, and this is sometimes why it's so good to read different versions when you're looking at a verse because you get different aspects of the meaning. It's not that it contradicts, the versions contradict because they all blend very beautifully when you look at the original word, but some of them just maybe, maybe hint at something a little different than the other ones and you put them all together and it's like, wow, you got a really good idea what this verse means. But the ESV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Prophetic vision, revelation and vision combined. 
the ability to see what God wants and reveals for us to accomplish. So let's be clear about this verse this morning. Without a divine revelation or vision of where we are going as individuals or as a church, we will gradually begin to cast off the restraints that keep us from perishing in our efforts to achieve that divine vision, and we will die. We'll perish. Without vision, where there is no vision, the people perish, they dry up and die. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. We will perish in our efforts. We will perish in our relationships with Christ. We will perish as a church. We will be buried with our unfulfilled, God-given purposes still in us if we don't have clear vision. It's kind of quiet in here because we're low in numbers, so I need those of you that are here to give me some feedback this morning. A little amen once in a while might, might, might not hurt you, you know. <laughs> it's really quite simple. We have got to be a people that receives divine revelatory vision to where we should be going and what, should, and what we should be doing or we will dry up and die on the vine. And, and I think this. It's easy for us just to kind of ping pong through life, to kind of pinball through life, as I've said before. Just kind of whatever happens, go over here, boom, this happens, this goes over here, boom, this, I bounce off this and I come over here. And we're like, we don't have any, we don't have any vision. God wants to give you clear, focused vision. And it doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. He wants you to have a direction, and he has a direction for you if you'll take the time to seek him and find it. And you won't have to pinball through life. There'll be, you'll do things deliberately and intentionally, and it will help you massively. And we all know that acquiring that type of vision is only achieved when we, as his branches, stay plugged into Jesus as that vine. John 15, five through eight says, yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me or remain plugged in to me as the vine and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you could do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That is one whale of a promise. When you produce, when you produce much fruit, when you produce much fruit, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So in other words, God expects us to take the branch of our life and keep it plugged into the vine of Jesus Christ, and when we truly do that, the fruit that would be produced will be much fruit. It will be great fruit. What does that look like? It could be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. Sure, it could be that, but it could be success in building his kingdom, no matter what that is or what that looks like for you. We all build his kingdom differently, don't we? but it's success in that. It's, it's fruit, and not just a little dab of fruit will do you. It's much fruit. 
I mean, I got the pictures I was just talking there of that fruit that you squeeze out of those bags for kids and they kind of suck on it. What are those called? Gross? Yeah. I've seen them eating that, my grandkids, and it's good to have my new grandkid here today. Was she four days old? Hallelujah. I like that. See, she's tougher than some of you that didn't come out. I've got to talk to the camera. Tougher than some of you that laid in bed today. She's four days old. And we're, we're happy you laid in bed because we don't want your attitude here anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. We're happy that you're online with us. But that fruit, that squeezy, gross fruit, God, that, that's the picture I got. We don't need just that. A little dab will do you, a little mashed up. He wants much fruit for our lives. A lot of fruit. That's what proves you are my true disciples, it says. Something I've noticed through the years, it's really rare for someone to just up and unplug from the vine. But it's not rare for people who have received and experienced Christ to gradually begin drawing what seems like life from other sources. And this happens when individuals become disenchanted with the Lord uh, because he doesn't perform or operate the way they think he should. And they just start, well, he didn't do what I thought he should do right here, so I'm, and they don't consciously necessarily think this. They don't go, oh, God let me down, so I'm gonna go over here, I'm just gonna unplug my vine. That does happen sometimes, but most of the time, People who have accepted him and received him, people who are born again, people who have, have given their lives to him, something will happen and maybe they're just a little disenchanted and they begin to just start drawing, without even thinking about it, their life from something else over here. There's only one vine where you can get life. His name is Jesus Christ. And so little by little, they begin to become extracted from the real life-giving source of the one and, one and only true vine. And they, again, start plugging their branch of life into other things that give them fleeting moments of pseudo-life. It might feel like life, but it's not real life. It's not that they, again, openly turn away from Christ all at once. They just head down the road of fleshly appeasement. And before they know it, they find themselves lost in the dark without a map. No vision. The road of fleshly appeasement is a very, very enticing road. It wants you, it draws you, it pulls you. Whatever feels good to the flesh, what appeases the flesh, that's the road that I'm talking about where people just kind of gradually, oh yeah, this looks good. And it pulls them in, it sucks them in. This morning, I, I wanna be bold enough to call all of those believers who have inadvertently plugged into other things for their life source. And I say in, inadvertently because I don't think people do this on purpose all the time. Very rarely do they do it on purpose. I want to be bold enough to call on the followers of Christ who can't believe that they are finding themselves in the same spot of visionless existence as they were before they knew Jesus. And I'm talking to those that love Christ but have somehow strayed, and it's not that they have to get saved all over again. It's just that they need to get some fresh focus for this fresh year. And church, we don't have time to mess around and play games. If you're listening to us online, if you're here this morning, hear me. We don't have time to play games. We just don't. It's time. Things are lining up on this earth for Jesus to come back. I believe that with all my heart, and I believe it could happen at any moment. We have got to get busy about our Father's business. We've got to go for broke when it comes to building his kingdom until he returns. 
and let that be what we're about. It's a fresh year. Let's get some fresh focus on his vision for our lives. So here, here are some enemies of focus. I thought I'd approach this subject a little bit differently this morning, but here's some enemies of focus, and I think you might relate to some of them. And, and let's start with the most obvious one, blindness, the inability to see it all. Our eyes are the most complex lenses in the world, incredibly designed by God. They work when light hits the retina, which is a light-sensitive layer of tissue at the back of the eye. Special cells called photoreceptors turn the light into electrical signals. These electrical signals travel from the retina through the optic nerve to the brain. Then the brain turns the signals into the images you see. That's the simplistic version. And it's literally mind-blowing when you really get into the science behind how the eye works. And we know that the eye is so advanced that scientists can't reproduce it. They, truthfully, they really can't explain it. They just do their best. And even with all the fancy tech that we have today, with video and fancy lenses that can do all sorts of things and, and cameras and all this, only God can create eyes that can truly see. They can't reproduce that. A famous scientist said this, to suppose that the eye, with all of its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Charles Darwin. Even the author of evolutionary theories conceded to this point. The eye is absolutely incredible. Blindness is an obvious enemy of focus because to not have any vision whatsoever completely destroys the need to focus. Spiritual vision to see divinely, that which God wants us to accomplish, is completely gone when we are spiritually blind. Those that are spiritually blind are those that have never given their hearts to Christ. It would also include those who have gone so far down their, their own path, again, of, of fleshly appeasement that they don't even see and they don't even realize they're blind. And, and let me be so bold to say there's many in churches across America today, not picking on you, there are many in churches that are spiritually blind and they don't even know it. They don't realize it. Some people who are blind can still detect light. And I believe that is true for spiritual vision as well. They know where the light is. They can detect light. But because of their unwillingness to submit to the authority of Jesus reigning in their lives, they are unable to truly focus in on what God would have them do. So they just become satisfied with, oh, I, I see some light over here, some light of truth, and, and, and I, I, I love Jesus, so I'm going to just hang out here. They don't know they're blind, and all they can see is that there's light there. There's no focus. Church, we don't need to be spiritually blind. Not as individuals and not as a church. We must stay fully plugged into the vine of Jesus so that we don't become fruitless wanderers instead of the harvest-bearing Jesus followers that he desires us to be. There are so many blind Christians that don't realize they're blind. 
They have no focus because they have decided that recognizing the light is all they need. I'm not as blind as that guy over there who, can, who can't even detect light, so I must be someone who can really see. They've convinced themselves. How many know that we spend a lot of time in our heads convincing ourselves that we're right and that we're okay? I understand there's people that beat themselves up too, and, and I, think, I think both happen sometimes within the same individual at the same time, because Satan's just got us running in circles, you know, chasing our tail. But there are people who, who, who in their head are always justifying why they're doing something and giving themselves a pass. It's ironic that we, we don't see or we don't know how far we are away from God until we take another step towards him. Don't, don't let spiritual blindness set in. It's the enemy of focus because it destroys the very reason to focus to begin with. Just don't let it set in. Number one, spirit or blindness, the inability to see. It's the enemy of real focus. Number two, nearsighted. Nearsightedness. Being nearsighted. You can only see things near to you. When I was in third grade, I received my first pair of glasses. They were buttes. Kind of black rims all the way around. I looked good. I didn't think so at the time, though. I was diagnosed as being nearsighted, and although I could see things up close, I couldn't see them from a distance. I couldn't see the board that the teacher was writing on. It started out as a slight inconvenience, but then slowly became more severe as time went on. My glasses corrected this problem, but it was an adjustment to say the least. I struggled at first. I didn't, I didn't like how I looked at them. I thought I looked nerdy. The other kids didn't have to wear them. And I didn't like how I had to be more careful when playing football or kill the carrier on the playground. Anybody ever play kill the carrier? It's a fun game, especially when you're a kid and you got anger issues. But I eventually started realizing that it was certainly better to wear the glasses than to not be able to see things in focus. I think in some ways the, the year 2020 brought with it some prophetic overtones, or maybe even a prophetic message, so to speak, at least to me personally. That year brought the realization that the church as a whole didn't have the 2020 vision that God really wanted us to have. We started looking through new lenses, and if we let them do their corrective work, we began to get a clearer, focused vision on what needed to be done, spiritually speaking, for those that just continued down their own path, again, the, a, a fleshly appeasement, it, it was like refusing to put on glasses, which meant your ability to focus didn't get better, and you probably learned little to nothing, and you just got mad at all the circumstances that were going on. Spiritual nearsightedness is like the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. You get so focused on that which is right in front of you that you're unable to see the big picture way out here. And spiritually speaking, church, it leads to that intrinsic looking inward and not outward kind of thing. I mean, you can see those things right in front of you really well, so you keep your eyes focused on them. It becomes, uh, or it, it, it comes about naturally, but eventually you stop trying to focus on those big vision, big picture items that are way out there in the future, and without good focus on the further out there path, you don't see the 
obstacles coming either. So you just get really focused on what's in front of you because it's easier just to see that. You can't see that anyway. And putting on the glasses takes some effort. And as you're looking, you miss it. It's like driving in a total whiteout in a snowstorm. You can see five, maybe 10 feet in front of the car that you're driving. So you figure you can go normal speed, right? You get more brave and more brave as the snow's coming down. Go a little faster, go a little faster. But five to 10 feet in front of you, being able to see that doesn't help when there's a deer, another car, or a snowplow 15 to 20 feet in front of you. You will ram right into it and your forward progression will stop. Nearsightedness is a dangerous enemy to real focus because of that very reason. You begin to put so much trust in your close-up vision that you forget that you can't see what's ahead. This tends to blow people out of the water, so to speak, this nearsightedness thing. They, they, they push forward with great passion and excitement towards their vision. I can see right in front of me, you know? I'm excited about it. Praise the Lord. I'm going after that which God has called me to do. But because it's all based on that nearsightedness, they will inevitably hit something and they decide that it's not good enough to push forward like that again. When in reality, they just need to use those corrective lenses to have good focus on obstacles that are further out there. And, and let me be clear what the corrective lenses are. I haven't even got into that yet. They are, of course, prayer, meditating and devouring the word of God, spending time worshiping and praising him every day, giving as unto the Lord everything that you are, your finances, your talents, Letting him have you as a whole. Giving him your, not just your heart, but your entire life. Fellowshipping with one another in and outside of church and all the other things we know that are completely beneficial to our relationship with Jesus. Those are the corrective lenses. Don't let spiritual nearsightedness destroy your ability to focus on your God-given vision for what you know you can do better and even those new things that he would have you step into this year. Another enemy of focus, farsightedness, being farsighted, where you can only see the things far away from you. And, and this is more difficult for me to relate to physically because being physically nearsighted myself, it's hard to imagine only being able to see that which is far away and not able to see those things that are right by me or closer to me. Spiritually speaking, I can totally get this because I'm a big picture kind of person. In the strength finders material that we've been through as a staff, I've tested very high more than once in ideation. I can have new ideas and envision their fulfillment. I love vision, I love to think big, all that kind of stuff, way out there and see the goal and go after it. I can even see how it looks sometimes in the future. And I think that's one of the reasons that really big dreams don't scare me they excite me. I rarely have a great, big, impossible idea that pops into my head and then have the next thought, oh, that could never happen. That's just a pipe dream. I'm like, if you can think it, you can do it. That just comes naturally for me. And as good as that can be, it can be the real enemy of focus. So outward thinking in our futuristic plans that we forget to focus on the little things right in front of us. 
And it's often those very things that pave the way to achieving those big dreams and visions that are way out there in the future. And again, it's the corrective lenses of those vital Christian practices that are essential to growing in our relationship with Jesus. Prayer, reading the word, worshiping him, fellowshipping with believers, and all those healthy Christian disciplines that we practice every single day. Those are the corrective lenses. When we do those things, it doesn't matter if we're, 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 we're spiritually nearsighted or spiritually farsighted, those lenses will correct and will give you better focus on what God would want you to do. And either way, nearsighted, farsighted, if you reject the corrective lenses, you find yourself, you will find yourself out of focus. I, I talked about 2020 and, and my opinion of it being a wake-up call to the church, kind of a prophetic wake-up call that, hey, your, your vision isn't 2020. You need to look through some corrective lenses and see what you need to do and adjust. And I believe that 2021, this last year, has been a year of God waiting to see who would put on the corrective lenses or who would just blindly keep going their own unfocused way. Church, there, there's something exploding in my heart lately. Every single time I pray, every time I open the word, every time I get in his presence, it's like the Holy Spirit just keeps saying, let's go, let's do it, let's get it done. It's an excitement. And even though there's tons of things happening in our world that are tough, we had a, 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 a difficult week this last week. We did a couple of funerals. It seems like there's, there's a lot of that going on, that kind of thing. But even in the midst of that, it's like the Holy Spirit just says, come on, let's do this thing. Let's get this done. And, and I made mention of this last week that I, I believe, and, and, and I've believed it for a long time, that a great revival will take place just before the return of Christ. A revival that will be marked by people becoming born again as well as signs and wonders following those that believe. Miracles occurring, being the norm and not the exception. And I've always anxiously waited for this to occur. And more than ever, I believe God is crying out to the church, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for me just to do it? Let's go, let's do it, let's get her done. I'm not saying that we are the source of that revival, but I think we, the church, uh, we as the church, we need to decide to get off our selfish butts and start living for others as much as they live for, as much as we live for ourselves. So inwardly focused, it's all about me, all about me, all about me. And, and I mean, mix that and balance that with having healthy boundaries. I'm not, I'm not undoing that kind of teaching or that kind of thinking either. We need to have those boundaries. But sometimes boundaries make us lazy in doing the things of God if we go too far with it. Not having boundaries makes us wore out and we can't do anything. And see, the devil just has you spinning. Balance. Balance is so key to all of this. Man, I, I want God to pour out his spirit this year like never before. It says out there in the foyer that one of our core values is prayer. Then it says that we believe that prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle that moves the hand of God, something to that effect. Prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle that moves the hand of God. Do we really believe that? Or is that just a nice thing on the wall we hang up and it's kind of like art? 
Or do we really believe that? Well, if we believe that, if we truly believe that, then our prayer lives would reflect it. Do we really want to reach the lost? That's one of the things that's up there too. When's the last time you shared with someone how God has changed your life? Well, there hasn't really been anybody in my path to do that to, and I, I don't know, I just uh, never seemed like the right timing. And It's time! It's time! We are getting ready to do something that this church has never done before, by the way. It's big scale. It's more than just a few can pull off. It will take an all-hands-on-deck kind of approach. It's coming quickly uh, as Good Friday approaches, but I want to do something. We're going to call it the Good Friday Experience. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some finances. It's going to take some creativity, some sacrifice of sleep by some of you. It will be an all-church event in outreach, total outreach. You know, I love what we do during the harvest time and, and with, with the uh, uh, beggar's night and what do we call it, the, the night at the movies parade and all that we did this year because it's just us loving on the community. We don't really say a whole lot about the gospel. We, we, we live it. We show it. We, 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 we give, you know, that kind of thing. And that's wonderful. And I'm not against any of that. I think we need to keep doing that. But this Good Friday experience outreach thing, this is going to be a little in their face sharing the gospel in a loving way. And how it's going to look, you're going to find out in weeks to come, is they will come through and they will tour, basically as a, like a little tour group, and they will go into different rooms and experience different aspects of the story of Good Friday and the crucifixion of Christ. From the Last Supper, maybe in the youth room, where we really have a Last Supper going on. And then they move to another room, and they see the Garden of Gethsemane, and they see Jesus there. It's going to take some actors. It's going to take some people getting out of their comfort zone. And it's going to be Jesus there praying on, you know, in anguish, as he did. Then we might take him to a room that, that has the, the whip and post. And then maybe in here to the crucifixion. This is an idea that's been brewing in, in, in the pastoral staff for a while. We, we wanted to do it before COVID hit us, but it, it just, it, it was too much that year. Well, here we are, 2022, I'm gonna do it. Are you, are you ready to do something like that? And then as people go from group, as they move, move through those rooms in groups and they see all these things happen, maybe, not maybe, it will be, the last stop will maybe be in the CAC room where where we have somebody just share the gospel, the loving gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're able to accept Christ. Folks, I, I'm telling you, that'll have an impact. Because instead of just having a holiday, you know, Good Friday, where we have, or, or making a day like any other, let's, let's do something a little, more, a little more meaty to reach people for Jesus. Are you with me in that? Does that sound like fun? It's going to take everybody. Don't wear me out doing it. Right? It's going to take all of you to get on that. So don't make, make, put it in your calendar already. Don't make a bunch of plans around Easter. We're going, to, we're going to do something and maybe shake the city a little bit. Because if we do it in a way that, that really exemplifies what happened, what really happened that night, it could have powerful impact. Well, we'll do that when God sends his end time revival. How about we just get her done now? Why are we waiting for God? Let's, let's, I mean, we need to do what God's telling us to do, and I believe he's telling us to do this, but he's expecting us to take a step of faith, too. We're going to preach biblically from this pulpit and become more creative in delivering it. 
We even are getting some fresh new focus on women's and men's ministry and in our, our Wednesday evening classes, doing some things we've never done before in order to teach the Word of God more effectively. We've been throwing around the idea of having some guest teachers in for some of those classes. I think that'd be phenomenal. We've been throwing around the idea of, of adjusting even the pastoral staff's responsibility to some extent so we can more effectively minister, and especially in the area of, of preaching the Word of God. I, w- I want to expand the worship team and use more people than we've ever used before. It'll take work and an ability to change the way we do things. But it's, it's a fresh year, and I have some fresh focus. In the area of worship, I want every person that enters these doors to absolutely encounter the presence of, the God, of, of God. I don't want it to be same old, same old. Not that it is. We have wonderful worship. Our worship team does a wonderful job. I, I'm so thankful for them. But let's pour gasoline on what's already on fire, you know? Let's blow it up. And in doing some of these things, I, I believe that this church's potential will start being fulfilled. That's another one of those things on the wall, fulfilled potential. We think that's one of our core values. Well, let's start fulfilling some of that potential. If we're sitting around not doing what God's called us to do, you're not fulfilling your potential. You gotta put feet to your faith and see where he'll land you. And not just on a church level, but on an individual level as well. Every individual that makes up this church Of course, unity will be key. That's another one of the things in the wall. To keep your unified focus will be imperative. It's interesting how the pandemic has torn so many churches apart. And it hasn't torn this one apart. Striving for uniformity or sameness got a lot of churches in trouble. But this body has been unified, which is different than uniform. Unified is we're different, but we agree. For the sake of the gospel, we're just going to agree and charge on. We have people in this church on all sides of the issue that that surround the pandemic, and that's okay. There is a respect for one another that has caused us to weather this thing beautifully. It's unity, church, and I, I, I couldn't be more proud of this congregation and how they've dealt with this. Fresh year, fresh focus. And I'm not about to let the enemy have the slightest foothold when it comes to our focus. I'm going to keep challenging you to get into the word of God and prayer and practice all the disciplines of the faith. Put on those corrective lenses as to not go blind or fall into being nearsighted or farsighted in our vision. We need to be laser focused in 2022. We need to have 2020 vision in 2022. Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Last week, right here, I saw a little girl walk up front and get on this platform with raise both hands and worship the Lord in response to a challenge that I gave to say yes to riding with Jesus while in this life and the life to come. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That is to say, at at, at least in one sense, that they will lead us. A child led us last week. She did something that a lot of adults should have done but just didn't because of their own pride. God continues to pour out his spirit. Our sons and daughters are going to 
do some amazing things. Our young people, young men and women, don't be surprised if they start getting clear vision about what God wants them to do. If you're a young person in this room, and I'll let you define what that is, don't be weirded out when God starts giving you clear vision about what he wants you to do, and, and, and don't just, just brush it away. Hear it. Hear it. God's call is God's invitation, right? His revelation is his invitation. It's true. As God continues to part his spirit, maybe those same young people they won't rebel from it. They, they won't marginalize it or discredit it. They won't let anybody steal it from them by discouraging them in it. And can I say this for young people that get really clear vision? Get around somebody who's walked those paths before and glean from their wisdom. And when the old people start dreaming again, that's what it says. I'll pour my, all my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I'm going to include young men and women and old men and women in that verse as well because I, I believe that qualifies because it says sons and daughters to begin with. When old people start dreaming again, look out, church. One of the most natural things to do as we get older is to put ourselves on the shelf. It becomes easy to say, We've done our part. Let somebody else do it now. Or I just don't have the energy or physical ability anymore. And oftentimes it's because of all the, maybe the failures they've experienced or have seen and, and, and a little bit of unbelief rises up within them. But as God gives dreams and he begins to breathe new life into our older adults, I'm telling you, look out. They might not be able to be involved in the same things that they once were because of physical limitations or whatever, but I'm telling you, you watch out because good things are going to happen. They'll get excited about the new dream within them, and they'll come alive again. I don't know really how to end this service this morning except to pray and challenge you with this. If you're ready for fresh focus for this fresh new year, If that's your heart, if you're tired of having that blurry vision as if you have to kind of work and struggle at getting the, the right, looking through the lenses right, and, and maybe you just need to put on the, the corrective lenses of his word, his prayer, all the Christian disciplines we talked about. That's what corrects that stuff. If you're tired of being out of focus with that vision, I'm just going to ask you to come up front right now with no music, nothing played. Stand to your feet and come down. Maybe if that's you. I know it's a little odd this morning because we're smaller in number, but I think maybe that's why we're smaller in number, physically speaking. And if you're at home this morning, I want you to know that you can stand up right where you're at. You can stand up and say, yeah, I want some fresh focus. I need some fresh focus. I need to be 
clear vision, focused vision. Just stand up right where you're at. You know, the whole church is down here at the altar this morning. I got to say something. We ought to get addicted to the altar. You know, we ought to get addicted to it. Because when we take a step of faith like that, God meets his people at the altar all the time. That's the purpose of the altar all through the Old Testament. That's the place where God met his people. Not that you can't make an altar wherever you're at, but there's something about taking a step of faith. Let's pray this morning. Let's raise our hands today. Lord God, you see us. You know us. You know our shortcomings. You know our failures. But God, you also know all those things that we've done right. And Lord, we did something right when we asked you to come into our lives and be our Savior and be our Lord. Jesus, we ask you right now to renew that commitment within us. Lord, we, we do. We receive you as Lord and Savior. We make you the, the, the driver of our lives. And Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to give us fresh focus like never before for the year 2022. God, we got stuff to do and we know it. We don't want to just sit around and wait for it to happen, God. We're going to put faith to our feet feet to our faith, and we're going to step out there, and Lord, I know that you're going to back it up with signs and wonders, back it up with fruit and much fruit produced it within your disciples, within your followers. God, we love you today, and we say that this is the first day of the rest of our lives when it comes to focusing in on you. Change us, God. Take away all the distractions. Help us turn off the TV and open up the Bible. Help us to not be so, so concerned about entertaining ourselves, Lord, that, that, that we forget that some of the best times we've ever had were when we were in your presence worshiping you. We love you, Lord. You probably know this song. Just sing it. Let's just sing it quietly this morning. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. We love you, Jesus. God bless every person. That's here today, every person that's listening online, pour out your blessings on them, God. 
We give you glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.